this show is for active duty and veteran military personnel. And any other adult that chooses to listen. However, it's soldiers talking like soldiers. If we offend your tender sensibilities, you came to the wrong place. everybody i'm kyle i'm greg and i'm eric welcome to trench monkeys rpg podcast we're here for the community of veterans we want to take care of our people we're all gamers so we're for the veteran and active duty gamers meaning those who play role-playing games uh well video games too but not not nearly as much i mean it seems to be less it seems to be that guys playing call of duty won't necessarily refer to themselves as gamers because That's just not the way they are. I've had way too many people try to say, no, 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 I'm not a gamer. I just have a John Madden playbook of my own (laughs) that I reference. So there's like a stigma to it? Uh, I've I've run into the stigma once or twice, but then again, that was a while back. Okay, so story. Uh, My platoon sergeant in Afghanistan uh, has actually gone to school here in southern Illinois on a baseball scholarship. His first roommate, as he puts it, was this big fat dork. While we were deployed, we had no power, no running water for a good long time. And I started up a game in D&D. And within the first session, I had a full squad plus playing. And he came up to me afterwards. And one of the squad leaders goes, Greg, where'd you come up all that? And I said, well, Sergeant, you know, I just pulled it off the top of my head. And he was kind of amazed by that. And the platoon sergeant goes, you know, I used to see my big fat roommate in college. And he'd have his big fat friends over to play D&D. And I'd get out of there because I didn't want anything part of it. But looking at that, I can see where... You guys want to play it and you guys can, you know, put your mind somewhere else and that's a good thing. You can keep doing that. It is a great stress reliever, especially in a high stress situation where you have to constantly look at people and go, I can't shoot them. I can't shoot them. They haven't done anything worth getting shot at. It's good to go back, let off steam and shoot somebody metaphorically in the face. So that's the stigma. I mean, my platoon sergeant, you know, he equated D&D and role playing games with his big fat roommate in college. Right. So, you know, people say, no, I'm not a gamer because, well, they don't want to be mistaken for somebody who plays role playing games. Right. When, you know. You've got guys in the military who they let their geek flag fly. You know, I carry around and Kyle would do the same thing. Come to find out, carry around a Warhammer 40K book or whatever I was reading at the time and use that to kind of subtly fly my geek flag. Right. And, you know, it was kind of like my geek cred. And that's how I'd find people that wanted to hang out or played games or whatever. Cool. It worked. That's how we met. Yeah. Reading Blood Angels. There you go. Holy wow. I can actually remember the book I was reading. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, what, that's what you do whenever it's like a, uh, a monumental moment of your life, right? You always you always know exactly where you're at when, you know, things you know, like uh, our parents' generation was always like, where were you when Kennedy was assassinated? Where were you when you met Greg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would I would more say, you know, our generations is where were you when the towers fell? But, you know, right. I'll take where, where, where was somebody when they met me? Right. Yeah. You know, so to give a little bit of structure to the episode and moving forward, what we're going to do, we're going to do different segments. Now, what we did there was, you know, that that's normal. That's, we're, you know, just chit chat and conversation. That's the way veterans do. You sit down and you tell stories and that's what this is all about. But we're also going to do other things. Uh, one of the other things that we're going to do is uh, we're going to 
to do a segment called Mail Call where we're going to read emails sent to us asking us questions or making comments and things like that. So we encourage people to get in contact with us and ask us questions or maybe uh, share some stories with us, you know, maybe based on what we were talking about. If, if you read the same book we talked about or maybe you have a similar situation. So we certainly encourage these kind of things, too. Uh, and we're also going to... Uh, do what's called work call and work calls where we're going to talk our main about. segment's going to be where we do work it's like every, remember when you're in the military your 9 a.m formation was work call formation show up after pt and you get work done so right our our normal segment will be work call after that of course it'll be taps because we'll be wrapping up the show and we'll have some final thoughts and and some contact information as to you know how to get in contact with us and whatnot so i, I do want to explain the segments a little bit more the assembly, which is what you just, what we started was, uh, everybody will introduce themselves and a little bit of a, an episode preview where, you know, we kind of talk about what we're going to talk about, but just kind of set it up. And then after that, we'll do mail call. After that, we'll do work call. The work call will be different types of topics, not necessarily specific titled topics. I mean, because I will do staff briefings. Staff briefings will be discussing topics. Like next episode, we're going to talk about a topic rather than something else. Other episodes, we'll do what's called pass and review, where we talk about our take on a game or on a movie or a book or a television show. Maybe if you hadn't seen it yet and you want to, you know, hey, what do those guys think of this movie or whatever? Or, you know, and even make recommendations of what movies maybe people should be watching, things like that. And then also uh, one of the other things that we'll do under work work call will be recon missions, where we actually play test games or maybe rules within a game. You know, hey, I you know somebody writes in for uh, mail call. I really don't understand Pathfinder's grapple rules. Can you guys run a run a scenario of that? And we say, fuck you. You say <laughs> that. I got a feeling a, a grappling fighter halfling will make his reappearance. Appearance. Hey, you leave Varl out of this. <laughs> and then uh, information briefing is where we'll have interviews with authors, game designers, historians, other military gamers. If you're a you know military gamer and you want to you know join us for an episode, we're not opposed to that. I mean, we'll eventually we will get it, get it. So uh, we'll be live streaming our our episodes and then recording them at the same time, releasing them. So the raw you you can you can join in and listen and interact. Uh, as we're recording, and then of course we can you, you can listen to yourself after. So the fact. you can either tune in and listen to the sergeant major ramble on for three hours, or you can just wait until the the notes are put out. At right, the end. right, yes, okay. yes, yeah. <laughs> the condensed notes. Right, and for those who are military gamers, we don't do a whole lot of military miniatures games. Cal and I both play Infinity and Drop Zone Commander. Now, if somebody wants to call in and talk about bolt action. Hate to tell you, we've never played. It I don't even know what that is. It's a World War II role playing, a World War II miniatures game, and it's all historically accurate. Yeah. So they just had the Band of Brothers box come out last week. Okay. And so it's cool. all easy company, and you get them and you paint them, and you know you right. can do all kinds of stuff with them. Yeah, we're not beyond trying something new and, and and talking about something that maybe we don't know or don't have personal experience. If you want to come on and try and, and promote, you know, a, a game or something like that, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we'll learn we, it or we'll fake the funk. As avid readers and avid as uh, avid Kindle and Audible users, we'll plug anything from Larry Korea or John, John Ringo, Ringo, Brad you know. Torgerson, or several others. You guys will hear those names, and you'll get to meet Larry on our show. He's already said he'd come in for us. Yeah, we just got to work out a day. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you have a book, it could be anything. If you have some, you know, something with a dark sense of humor, but it's it's steampunk, and that's fine. Everybody's you know. tastes are different, right? So yeah, you if you've got a book that's that you want to really that you've re just read and 
think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you know, we are interested in interviewing people. If uh, if you're listening to this and or know somebody who wants to promote a game or or a movie or you know TV show, book, whatever, have them get in contact with us. Let's move on to mail call. Our first piece of mail comes from a gentleman named Chris Vandergriff. Chris says, greetings, Eric, and everyone involved with Trench Monkeys, or at Trench Monkeys, I'm sorry. I am not military personnel, which is totally fine, first of yeah. all. You don't have to be military personnel to give us a, send us a, an email. And welcome, Chris. Welcome to the community. I've always wondered if you all game differently, meaning military personnel. Games like Shadowrun, Advanced Squad Leader, Twilight 2000, etc. Do you find groups comprised totally of military personnel to make better use of small unit tactics, urban escape, and evasion, breaching and often overlooked game mechanics? Let me start with no. Not even close. Military gamers in some of the games that I've been a part of and some of the games that I run are just as idiotic, <laughs> are just as, I don't want to say clueless because they know the right thing, but oftentimes it just feels like work. So they want to run in guns blazing, whereas normally they'd run in, find cover, they'd clear a room. They just run in and do whatever stupid crap comes to their mind. Right. It's not, we're not that different. It is frustrating at times when you play games like Shadowrun and you want to plan and you see holes and you see things that can be accepted and somebody just Leroy Jenkins and runs in. Right. Without the Leroy Jenkins merit either. Yes. <laughs> now that there's a shadow run merit. Yeah, I'm Jenkins. making him take it from now on whenever he makes a character. Wow. Boy, he's bad. <laughs> um, but, well, he, he wasn't military either. But let's – it depends what I've noticed on the characters everyone's playing. I was playing in a game of Star Wars, actually, first game of the Star Wars fantasy flight system I ever played, being run by Eric and Sean from Gamer's Table, served in the Army, and he and I cleared this ship with military tactics, and we just flowed through and just kind of played off one another, because if you've been in the military recently, you know how to clear a building. That's all. Right. And the rest of the group was kind of stunned and didn't really know what to do, because the two of us were just flowing with it we just rolled right. you know we rolled door to door cleared rooms and did what we were going to do and i think there was all of maybe three stormtroopers and one imperial officer on the entire ship it was we, a prison ship yes prison transport right with a uh, wasted out twilek in the only cell yeah so we took out the two stormtroopers grabbed him and grabbed the useful stuff off the ship and we got out of there we did him out and uh it just worked but then again, there's been times where we've played Shadowrun and Sean, gotta love him, will we'll Leroy Jenkins out halfway through the planning and everybody's just kind of running to catch up. On a similar note, one of the problems I've run into because I've always used gaming as a stress reliever, especially after field cycles, while in Iraq, things like that. Soldiers, not the leaders, tend to just stop and let the leaders figure out the plans, and they, they tend to fall back on familiar roles without expressing themselves. So I've actually found it sometimes harder for them. You have to make them step up. You have to put them in charge. So they because they're just so used to following orders. They're used to following orders. It's they're what's comfortable. They're their small part of the plan, and they're used yeah. to executing their small part of the plan. Well, you put them in a game where now they've got to make the plan, and it takes them out of that element, and they've right. got to actually get their brain rolling. Yeah. It's also a useful training tool at times. But it's then again, interesting I've, point. I've also had people write papers on zombie survival plans because, well, they were idiots. It was a common punishment, actually, in our unit in Germany when certain soldiers would 
just piss us off, and they were PT studs. You know, well, so you can't I mean, you can't drop them. You just say, yeah, I can make you do a hundred push-ups right now, but you're not going to learn anything from a hundred push-ups. So you're going to write me two thousand words, and you're going to write it for me by the end of the week. <laughs> Give me your zombie survival scenario for here, <laughs> and I want it done grammatically correct in an army memo format. Wow, how did that work out? Uh, well, first thing I did was I looked at it and I corrected it for army memo format and I handed it back. They fixed it. They handed it back to me the next day. <laughs> and then, uh, and they had to add 500 words for it with that because they didn't do it right. And then, they just made up something stupid. Oh, well, then I'm just going to have a harem. And then you make them start over and you add the word count and make them actually think of it like a job. And if you have to embarrass them in front of their friends by telling them, okay, well, then you all died of dehydration because you never grabbed water. Now you don't have food. Now you don't have security. Now you don't, And you make them think it out. Well, and the final step after they were taking everything seriously and they had it in all in the correct format was I'd hand it to my wife, who's an English teacher, and I'd have her red ink it. <laughs> and then I'd hand it back to them and it looked like somebody bled to death on it. And I'd say, now fix this. And then when they come back to me, I say, see, what have we learned from this? Don't piss you off, Sergeant. I said, yeah, something like that. In a way, you're, you're having them think things logically. And, you know, and as a, as a leader, you know, you, you have to think things through, uh, you know, take them to the next step, you know, mentally of what, what is going to happen next. In role playing games, it's kind of the same way. And I've, I've found, for me, my experience was a lot of my experience with gaming has been with civilians. It hasn't been with military gamers. And so when I, every once in a while, whenever that happens, it's, you recognize these, these thought patterns of, especially NCOs and people who are used to making decisions. Now you're, you're used to following orders, obviously, but you're also used to small unit tactics and, and keeping uh, a bunch of moron privates under, under wraps and keeping them from shooting their own feet off and shit like that. You see how whenever, like, let's say, for instance, we play Shadowrun, it's, you know, let's do this. Let's put everything kind of in an organizational pattern. Let's, let's analyze data. Let's not just go and, and go by the seat of our pants let's, and knock down the door and, and whatnot. That's, that's fun stuff, but it, it can also be, uh, very trying if you're, uh, if you're the one helping doing the planning and things like that. Absolutely. So when you have a mix of civilians and military minds, it, it, a lot of times it doesn't work. It does get really frustrating when you see how easy it would be to have the plan and here's the plan. This is all we've got to do. And they're just running around doing whatever they want to do. It, it does get kind of frustrating. I've had to relearn. I started gaming when I was a civilian. I was in college. And so I've had to relearn how to calm down and just, <laughs> you know what? It's just a game. Who cares if this guy dies? I have to basically relearn how to play because I treated it seriously and had a great time with it in the military. But now, <clears throat> now I spend more time fighting with Greg's wife like she's my little sister. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, the the first time it ever really hit me that uh, the style of play would be different. When I was when I served, I was in Germany and I ran um, a couple of games for friends. And the the base group of friends that I had were just a bunch of sham artists. Right. So they, they were basically gaming and, and hanging out and not wanting to work and all that stuff. And, you know, we barracks rats, all that shit. Well, 
a friend of mine said, hey, I want you to run a game of Shadowrun for the guys in my unit. And, you know, because he, he was from a different unit. He would come and play with us because he had a common connection because he went to basic with one of the guys that I that I ran for. So he's like, man, you got to run Shadowrun for my friends in my barracks. And I said, no, nah, that's fine. And I'm sitting there running a scenario in Shadowrun, and they're using hand signals the whole time. And I'm like, you guys are going to have to speak because I don't even know what the hell you guys are doing over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, it went, they went the whole night where they were using hand signals and, and things like that. And I was like, and it hit me. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is different. This is something that I'm taking away from that is, you know, I, I learned that military mindset works really well with some games, really well with some games, some not so much. And if you mix, you, and like we said, if you try and mix the mix the two civilian gamer and the military gamer mindsets, a lot of times there's friction. I ran Shadowrun at Gen Con for a group of our friends, some from New Hampshire, some from California, just from all over. Not all of us military. In fact, the only military guys at the table were Kyle and I, and uh, my wife played. My wife uh, was in the Air Force for a little while. So but the rest play Shadowrun. They're all about making the plan, sticking to the plan, except for that one guy who at one point goes, okay, well, I'm just going to go and look at the, look at the place. I'm like, okay, listen, you can't just go look at the place. There's a reason why it's a 24 hour trip by submarine to get there. You can't just go look at the place. And he goes, oh. So he sat there while they did their planning. And of course they, you know, they, the decker pulls some stuff and they get in and they get them to open the airlock and they're, they're coming in. They think they're cargo or whatever. And he just walks right in, just strolls right in. Because he didn't bother listening to the plan. Right. Yeah. At all. And that's the most frustrating thing. Because military guys would have listened to the plan, known their part of the plan, and executed their part of the plan. Right. Even if it's a bad plan. Yeah. But yeah. it's the plan. Right. So you're, you know, you know what? <laughs> you might, you might start the plan off thinking, okay, we're all gonna fucking die. But you know what? This is the best we got right now. Right. And you do it. Well, you know, they got lucky. Sensor, I roll all ones on the first check. So there you go. You know, it's just luck of the luck of the roll. He sneaks by or he he skips by, I guess, as the sensor doesn't run. And the rest of the run after Kyle asserted control went perfectly. So I thought I was going to have to put a bomb collar around his neck. <laughs> cortex bomb. Ooh, I've got to remember the cortex bombs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hypo insertion. Uh, just knock him out and have your uh, Decker medic put it in. Okay. There you go. All right. So, Chris, I hope we answered your question there. Uh, it's That's that's the kind of answers you're going to get. And military people will occasionally play different kind of characters. If they're going to play somebody with a military background, they're going to go all out. You're going to they're going to have know where they served and people they served with. They're going to have contacts from the military. They're going to go a little overboard. But then again, you know, I've got a character who I'm playing a halfling pirate named Varl who doesn't believe it's cannibalism if you're not a halfling, you know? That makes so, sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's Sahugan or Fishmen. Right, Fish, fish men. men. See? Of which I am neither. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I came in after that. Don't look at me. I already knew you had a piranha that ate people. Thank you very much, Chris. Hopefully we answered your question. If not, shoot us another email. We'll try to clarify. Yeah, we can clarify. We can always clarify. All right, so second uh, second email comes from Rick Hammer. Yeah. Hi, Hammer. Rick. What's up, Rick? He says, uh, who opened you up to gaming in the military? Uh, were you approached or did you seek out players and what caused you to start playing while in the service? Well, for me, it was, um, I actually started the gaming group in 
uh, with my group. And it was, it was funny because I actually start, I tried to get a gaming group started in basic. That didn't work out too well. What I did was I cut up soap in and turned them into six sided dice. And of course the fucking drill sergeant thought I was, uh, thought we were playing CeeLo or something. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that turned out real well. Yeah. They, and you know, but this is of course back in the, in the early nineties when, you know, their, uh, gaming and, 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 uh, you know, comic books. It was like, you know, he, he goes, wait a minute. You like this, this shit. And you like comic books? Grow up. That's exactly what he told me. But uh, so I tried to get it started in basic, didn't work out. And then when I went to my uh, permanent duty station, then uh, it kind of had to have been within days of me hitting hitting the ground. It was I need to find I would kind of like what you were talking about with flashing the badge, you know, putting out something that identified me as a, a gamer or a gamer type. Getting into conversations with, you know, just friends, buddies that were working alongside me, you know, mowing grass or something and, you know, talking about, Hey, do you guys game? And, and a couple of them were like, I don't even know what you're talking about, man, but come over to the barracks and I'll show you. I'll show you exactly what it is. And I mean, yeah, within easily by that weekend, we were playing a game with me. I was not gaming when I joined the military. I'd been gaming before I got married. The ex-wife didn't like it. So I stopped. I just hung out with friends, told stories, and had a good time. And then I went to my uh, Fort Stewart duty station. And while on CQ with a kid named Fisher, I was telling him stories that I was writing because I really enjoy the stories. I really enjoy the creating of the backgrounds and all the stuff that's involved. And he said, why don't you come game with us? And he told me some of the story they were running, and they were running D&D. And it was great because I met another good friend of ours, Dylan, there. He was running a D&D group, miserable, because he's a heroes, he's a heroes and champions kind of guy. And so he was just like, ah, this... Can't wait to get to something I enjoy. And then he corrupted the entire group and made us all vigilantes, and we skipped merrily through the minefield shooting people. And so that was the first time I started gaming again in the military. Mm -hmm. it, it felt the same because it was D&D, &D and D&D is D&D &D, no matter who you play with. Right, right. It's kind of hard to be military when you're skipping around with a fairy wizard. It's just not quite the same. But mm. then once we started getting into heroes and vigilantes, dark champions, that kind of thing, it it got more interesting, more planning, more uh, almost military precision in some of the stuff we were doing. So, I mean, it, it really got good because some of the guys were starting to think things like Overwatch and, and, and protection and check your six when you're running by somebody. You know, it was, it was easier back then as far as that was my first military game mm -hmm. that really brought, brought home that, well, my life is different. I'm in the military now. I played some in college and at the end of high school and uh, started gaming actually with Eric when I was in college. And then when I joined the military, I had taken a little bit of a hiatus. My wife was never really happy about my game. She uh, would argue with me every Monday night about going to game. And so I kind of let everything go by the wayside. And then she got, finally got to Germany. We get settled in and we find out we're getting ready to deploy. So now if we're not in the field, we're getting four-day weekends. We're getting time off, supposedly. You basically annoyed her enough that she said, get out of the house? No, no, okay. no, no. I, I asked two <laughs> of the guys that were deploying with me, who I'd kind of found out were gamers, just, you know, you bring it up. You, right. you know, you, you find a way to let your geek flag fly and find out who, the, who they are. And I said, hey, we're going to have some weekends off. I know you guys are single. You may want to take a trip or something like that. But if you want, I'll start running a game at my house. They were like, are you guys going to cook? I'm like, yeah, man, I'll make you a home-cooked meal. You come over, we'll play some D&D. 
They were just looking for food. Right. Yep. <laughs> so all they heard was home-cooked meal. And so they come over, and we start playing D&D. After the first game session, my wife, who sat on the couch and read a book the entire time, says, and I quote, that looked kind of fun. Can I join? So the table became my wife and three of the guys I was going to deployed with get deployed with. One of which wound up getting pulled like a month before we left because they didn't stop loss us in time for him to not come down on orders, which wow. he hated. So he winds up leaving, and I just made sure that my tough box for Afghanistan had dice and a bunch of D&D books on a USB drive. That kind of is what started my gaming in the military, and it got my wife into gaming, which made game nights much easier afterwards. There's always that one person who's like the game ambassador, you know, for whatever whatever you're doing. And sound, yeah, you were definitely the game amb- ambassador. Sounds like Dylan was the game ambassador for your oh, first. Oh, he was. He had a plan from the moment he said, I'll run a game. And he had a plan. And a lot of times you, you got to have that, that one guy who's willing to just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. And whoever shows up, shows up. I found that in, especially the time in the military, being in the barracks, it was easy. If you're listening and you you haven't served, you, barracks life is kind of like uh, dorm life, but not nearly as free. So you, you're very restricted in a lot of the things that you can do. But because of that pressure, you're around these guys all the time. Having the game is, is good catharsis. It helps morale and all that stuff like we, we talked about before. The true joy of Fort Stewart was the fact that our barracks were 20 feet from our company. So all the shenanigans were right there. So when you're having a D&D night, you've got staff duty stopping and going, what are y'all losers doing? <laughs> Why aren't you at a club? You got the drunk chicks coming in trying to hook up with them. You have any idea how hard it is for an 18 year old nerd to say, but, but, but I'm having fun. I, I don't, I don't want to go. So we lost a few gamers that way. I bet. I want to thank Hammer, actually, for writing in. Uh, Hammer and I were stationed together in Germany and deployed to Afghanistan together, and he was one of my D&D guys. Oh, so he's Afghanistan. one of those guys? Yeah. Oh, okay. He was one of the guys in Afghanistan. That sounds like it was a loaded question because he knew uh, the answer already. Yeah, quite possibly, <laughs> but he probably he, he wants to hear everybody's stories, and Hammer's the kind of guy who will throw himself on the grenade so everybody else can get a story out of the deal. There you go. He may have known what I was going to answer, but nobody else did. Sure. Hammer was mad. You know, his wife wouldn't let him come out and play when I was running in Germany. Uh, he had to stay home and, you know, be Hammer at home. Been there. Yeah. Yep. It was a lot more fun when I was actually gaming. Thank you, Rick, for the, for the email, like Greg said. We re- really do appreciate it. And, and Chris. Thanks, uh, Rick. We miss you. We're going to move on to work call. We're going to do uh, Trench Monkeys Fall In. We've already kind of identified ourselves you know, by name, but let's give a little bit more detail. All right. I'll start. I will date myself a little bit. I've been gaming for 19 years now. Okay. Started gaming in college. Now I feel old. Just wait for it. Yeah. It's coming around to me, and then you won't feel so fucking old. Oh, I'm so thankful. (laughs) You're the only person in the gaming group that's older than me. (laughs) Sorry, dude. I spent two years out in Monterey when I first joined, but I didn't make the language training. So I became an MP. Oh, okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. I spent 11 years as an MP, 13 years total in the Army. I've been Stuart, Iraq, Germany with Greg, Leavenworth with Greg. Uh, Not incarcerated, stationed at. <laughs> right, let's clear that up now. Stationed Breaking at. big um, rocks into little rocks. <laughs> oh, I wish. Um, after that, Campbell, uh, Korea, been all over the place. I really enjoy it. Uh, several stints at Leonardwood, month-long training sessions, things like that. E5, um, sergeant type. One yeah. <laughs> I was a sergeant. I was a career sergeant because reasons. If I talk long enough, you'll understand my reasons. I tend to be a bit of an ass, but... I enjoyed my army time. If I could still walk without pain or stand up without pain, I'd I'd still love to be doing it. But I got old enough, realized I couldn't keep up. 
I wasn't going to be able to walk when I got out. So it was time to go. Well, you I know enjoyed what they it. Say, pain is just weakness at leaving the body unless you've served. Then it's probably arthritis. I'm Greg. So I started gaming in 1997, regularly with Eric in 1999 when I was in college. Graduated from college, got a job actually as a probation officer and got laid off and had some stuff going on at home before I went to college. And I went to my dad and he said, well, what do you want to do before all this stuff started happening? I said, well, I was going to join the army. He said, then go join the army. And I said, I'm married. He says, well, we'll take care of it. Just go. So walked in the recruiter's office, handed my ASVAB score. And within two months, uh, I was on my way to Fort Leonard Wood uh, to be an MP. My dad had been an MP. When I went in, I said, I want military intelligence or military police. And they said, both are full. I got up to walk out and they found me a spot as an MP. Imagine that. I enjoyed being an MP. It was a very good time. Spent a lot of time in field units and until I got sent to Garrison Hell at Fort Leavenworth. Uh, my first duty station was Heidelberg, Germany, the uh, Nickel Deuce Niner Honor Guard. If we weren't in the field, we were doing ceremonial support or work on the road. Field cycle was great. Deployed to Afghanistan when, uh, from there with the uh, Fighting Deuce, 272nd MP Company. Got back, got my hard stripes at E5, went to Leavenworth, got my stripes at E6. Had a bunch of jobs at Leavenworth. Deserter apprehension was fun. SRT NCOIC was fun. I had a good time. I got out because it was five years needs of the Army with a report date to Korea by myself a month before my third child was going to be born. My wife had high-risk pregnancies. I was 23 days into use or lose, so I had 98 days of leave, and nobody's going to work with me. I got to be there on a certain date. So I said, well, Sergeant Major, thank you very much for the opportunity, but I'm out. Have a nice day. I got out, got a job, and I've been onward and upward since. Gaming since uh, regularly every Monday night since 1999, uh, so coming up on 17 years. Yep. Before that, it was off and on. Well, we had a game. It was at least one night a week, but it was never a set night. It was just whenever we got around to it in college. Yeah, it was about the same time for me. At least I feel good in that aspect. It was 99. <laughs> we started at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Oh, sure. Ugh. <laughs> but it was fun. Hey, for a while, Eric and I had a game that started at uh, 10 a.m. on every Sunday. Yep. And uh, we we were we were dicks about it. We would go and we would kick our buddy out of bed who worked the night shift and say, "Hey, run, run our, in D D. Run our game for us. Run our game." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, well, I will be damned if he didn't actually get up out of his bed and run for he was, us. He was a trooper. He is. Was, He's a gamer's table, Mike. Yep, Good guy. Yep. As for me, I I served with the three four Cav at uh, Schweinfurt, Germany. That was from ninety to ninety three. I joined the army for the college money, and I told my fucking drill sergeant that, and he beat the shit out of me in a stairwell. <laughs> I didn't know that one. Uh, like I said, it. why the fuck did you join my army? I said, for the college money, drill sergeant, and he beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I had a few dreams of beating the shit out of a few privates. Oh, yeah, that was back in the day when I, you could get away with it. Oh, no, uh, they could get away with it in uh, 04 when I went through. However, just they'd have to wait for somebody to scuff their boot and say, you assaulted me, and then just nail the kid. Right. And wouldn't you know, you know, the kid's got a rucksack on top of a duffel bag in front of him, and he can't see where the hell he's going, and the drill sergeant put his foot out so he'd intentionally step on his boot. They'd cherry pick who needed an ass kicking. Right. He, he picked my cherry. <laughs> um, I've been gaming since 1984, and that was with friends in the junior high lunchroom. 
and I've not stopped since that time. Never have I been without a game to play, uh, even in the military. I, hell, I even tried to, like I said earlier, trying to start one in basic training. I'm lucky I didn't get my ass whipped for that one. Um, <laughs> I certainly hadn't served the tours you guys have and, and the fucking places you have, but... Uh, that's one of the reasons why, and moving into the like the goals of, of this, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is military guys have some hilarious stories, and only military guys would get it. And I say guys, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be misogynist. Military women are also have these stories too. Oh, they have just as many. Yeah, or more. You know, <laughs> yeah. just, just as dirty. We have this common bond in that we are we play these games. I want to connect with the community, the and it's an underserved community. Veterans of themselves are underserved and that's I mean that's well documented when you're talking about the problems with VA all the way up through you know the veterans office and things like that but when you're talking about veteran and active duty gamers, gaming nerds, things like that, not using the word nerd is a bad thing. It's nerd will it. never nerd will no. never be a bad word spoken. Okay, not, not here. Listen, maybe let's let's get something straight. We own that term. All right. If if we took offense at being called geek or nerd, you wouldn't have survived in the army because that's what you were. You weren't out boozing. You weren't out chasing tail. You were back in the barracks with a six pack of beer and your books and your dice. I so. still remember that conversation with Bischoff. I'm not a nerd. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Everybody's a nerd in some way. No, no, I'm not. Do you play a lot of games? No, no, I don't play any. You don't play Madden football? Well, yeah. Do you have a playbook that you wrote up yourself for how to respond to things? Well, well, well yeah. So you spend a lot of time outside of the game, thinking about the game, trying the game, running scenarios on the game, and it's just a game? Yeah. Guess what? Congratulations. You're a nerd. And, I've never know. crushed somebody so hard in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, nerd, geek, we're going to use those terms. And if you're offended by it, I don't fucking care. Right. But, uh, you know. <laughs> we're not. Yeah, we're not. If you are, man, take take a look at where you're at. I mean. Well, if you've listened this long into this episode and you're offended by the word nerd or geek, I mean, yeah, then what are you doing here? I remember growing up with the stigma of gamers and nerds because I oh, grew yeah. up in South Georgia. Everybody's a redneck. It didn't matter the color of your skin. You were still pretty much a redneck. And I grew up as a giant nerd. And I remember having a talk about the evils of D&D. Oh, the, that talk. <laughs> that, that talk from the <laughs> early 90s, late 80s and having no exposure to it. So I really didn't know. Mm -hmm. And now here I am hanging out with a bunch of my friends, drinking beer and living my life and having a good time doing it. So hell with them. It was ignorance of what it was really about or just like anything else. They see things on the news or they hear things about the bad aspect of something and they immediately think it applies to all of it. The 1% of any group that fuck it up for everybody else. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure all of us here have known some of those people, even as gamers. The guy who owns a sword and goes on dungeon crawls through the, the sewer tunnels and stuff under the college. Yeah, I, I think that it's was like, specifically one of the uh, the points that were brought up by my mother. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so listen, brother. You need to you need to role play you for a couple of days, all right? Right. right. You need to be you. And I I think that's game. an that's an important statement because a lot of times with the games, you you personalize what's going on in the games and being able to separate, you know, the game from from yourself and things like that. Military guys are good at that doing that kind of a separation. You, you got to separate yourself from the, some of the things that you're doing, some of the things that you're seeing. Yeah, compartmentalize. Yeah, exactly. And when it comes to the game, I think it's easier to adjust to you, you don't become as attached to the game, your character, all the stuff, the, the bad stuff that we were talking about, you know, like these people snapping and quote unquote LARPing, you know, shooting people with bows and shit. You don't see that as much when it comes to the military guys because they compartmentalize. They can they can realize that they're getting too deep into something. 
you know, and be able to separate themselves from stuff like that. And let's face it, the military is huge on wargaming. The military is huge on role play. Think about it. Anytime you go to the field, you've got Op 4. What's right. Op 4 doing? They're role playing the bad guys. They've got rifles. They're out in the bush acting like Haji or Charlie or, you right. know, Whoever, Ivan, right, and they're out there to play. (laughs) I got to say it, but the best I ever saw at it was a Staff Sergeant Brodine when I was in (laughs) when I was in uh, Germany because he sat there pretending to be a Haji elder. And I almost started having flashbacks because of he was so good at it. And when he went home every day, he turned on Guitar Hero and played for hours to calm down because that was his cathartic release. He was great at role-playing a Haji. I mean, like seven tours or something like that probably makes you good at it. Let's get something straight. Haji's not a derogative term. It is a term for any male who's made the Hajj to Mecca. Now, as soldiers, we referred to them all as Haji, and they would even correct you. I'm not Haji. You just call them Haji anyway. It's because you don't know who's made the Hajj and who hasn't, and if they hadn't, they were flattered. If they had, they thanked you for the respect. You know, some people equate it to Charlie or Ivan or whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to start naming the tribes of Afghanistan when I want to f- refer to who our notional enemies were while we were there. Right. Not happening. Charlie was just because of Victor Charlie. It yeah. had nothing to do with anything derogatory in regards to that either. Right. So. But yeah, there are people misconstrued <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. all that. And trust me, there are plenty of negative terms that we could use instead of Haji, but we are actually somewhat culturally sensitive. Right. Somewhat. For me, I think this is necessary because I watched scared kids in Iraq. I was 26, 27. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember exactly when I was over there. And a lot of the kids were just scared. I had 18, 19 year olds. I was their squad leader. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And there were so many of them that were scared all the time. And something as simple as gaming, movie night, Star Wars Battlefront as a, you know, four guys getting together and playing Star Wars Battlefront out in out between the tents. It was a good way to keep soldiers grounded and sane and not scared half to death. When you could find time to get together and do it, it was a great way to get them to laugh and to enjoy and to be creative and to think about something other than where they were and the fact they might get shot or somebody they know might get shot or most likely blown up the next day. It was a good type of therapy even for several of those guys. I got a couple of reasons. First, of course, is I want to give back to the veteran community because it means a lot to me. Since I joined the Army in 2004, got out in 2011, 19 of my battle buddies have either been killed or killed themselves. You know, I just don't want to see that anymore. Everybody's got a list. I want to see the list stop growing. Because every once in a while I check up on a buddy or I look into something, it's like, well, shit, it's another name for my fucking list. If I can give guys some good feelings, let guys think about the good things they went through, let them know that we're out here and we're out to have a good time and you can listen to us and get your mind off some shit, or just, you know, send us an email, start a game with some buddies. If you never thought about it before, just... There's a bunch of other outlets than hurting yourself, hurting somebody else. I want to give back to my community, and I figure this is one way to do it. What are your goals? Yeah, you've got goals, man. Oh, I, I, I actually, I, I mentioned mine earlier. That's right. true. Um, okay, so you, but, okay. Yeah, yeah my, my goal, and I'll reiterate, uh, my goal is to connect with an uh, underserved community, which is the active duty and the uh, the military veteran gamers. Much like what you were saying, Greg, it's, you know, give something back, even in a small way. 
uh, even if it's contacting us through through Twitter or you know on Facebook or or whatever you know however we do it, start a community up and you know starting a community of gamers who have like interests and maybe don't have games where they're at, and maybe we can put some of these people together. That that would ultimately be my ultimate goal for this would be to get people interested in playing again. You know, getting that release, finding other people who are interested in doing the same thing, and maybe in a small way entertaining. That's the goal. And to be honest, if you find yourself in the land of bad things looking for gaming supplies or you're in Korea or you're in Germany, you're on duty and you're, you know, you listen to us a couple of times and you think, you know, whether you think we're full of shit or you enjoy what we're saying, we don't care. If we can, we'll send you some free shit. Just let us know. I mean, if we're able to send it, if we can send you books on, uh, you know, or something, send you something through drive-thru RPG or maybe some dice or whatever, if we're in a position to do so... We'll try. Right. And if you, you know, if you know somebody or you're part of, of a group that maybe wants to donate some of these things to gamers overseas who are deployed or, you know, they don't get a lot of room to store stuff. But Greg, you were mentioning to me something about a, a borrow library. So most large bases. So when we would hit like Fob Charana or we would hit Bagram, there's a big borrowing library. You can just go in and grab books and you can just take it with you. We even developed a small one down on the little Fob I was at. Well, it wasn't even a fob it was barely a cop but we were out there and we just you know everybody would throw all their extra books into a pile and you just borrow them and if somebody went on a supply run to somewhere that had one they'd take a couple of books everybody'd read and trade them just leave them and pick up some other ones the i think the best one i went into was at a little a place called fob sharana run by a bunch of army engineers and uh, navy cbs they had multiple copies of donated books from different places and uh I grabbed one from there. I dropped it at Bagram before I got out of country. So, you know, we can send some to the lending library or lend. if you've got a base library or if you've got a camp library or whatever, we can make it happen. We will. Uh, moving on to just more gaming uh, stuff. What is your favorite game to play? Oh, man. Tough question. Now, this is not even remotely. This is play. This is play, not GM. Oh, yeah. Because I'll ask that later. Without question, champion. I am a big fan of heroes, uh, champion, star champion, star hero. I'm a fan of all of them in that particular genre. I love superheroes. I'm a big comic book nerd, horrible comic book nerd. And that to me is one of the greatest releases that you can make a. Uh, somebody who can run up the walls and suplex a guy off the top floor of a skyscraper if that's what you want to do. And that's always been the biggest fun to me. When I learned the book well enough and I was bored while in Iraq, I, well, I could sit there and just start designing Iron Man armor while sitting there doing whatever it was I was doing. I didn't need a book. I didn't need anything else. It was all in it was all in my head. And that to me is one of the the best things was the fifth revised edition heroes because yeah it's really time consuming to make a hero's character especially if you're making higher point level characters and i tend to have an obsessive personality so i tend to do things like make 12 iron man suits if that's what i want to do mark one through 12 and stuff like that and here's my brick suit. Yeah. yeah here's, here's my brickbuster suit here's my blaster suit here's my stealth suit here's my invis suit here's my air superiority suit these are just the ones i remember working on here's my first iron man suit look at this ugly motherfucker <laughs> And that to me has always been the best thing about that game is that people come up with the weirdest, funnest things right. and the dumbest things that made me want to punch him in the face. But you take the good with the bad. All right. Well, I love to play. And lately I have been GMing a lot. My favorite game is kind of almost based on mood and who's running it. So like if Eric tells me tomorrow he's going to run Shadowrun, I'm down. 
I would, I'll, I'll make, I'll give the, each of the kids a half a Benadryl so I can be there on time. Um, Benadryl and scotch. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, this is yucky. Drink it. <laughs> See, what I've played lately is Legend of the Five Rings, Pathfinder, and uh, Cyberpunk, really. It's hard to pick a favorite. You know, again, it's it's kind of based on my mood and who's running. I love playing Heroes with Kyle and, and Dylan. My wife ran her first game and ran us through 18 levels in Pathfinder. First level to 18th level over about six months every Monday night mm-hmm. and earned some true geek cred, and it was fun. Sorry to softball your question. I can't really pick one. <laughs> That's I mean, fine. you know, honestly, if I won the lottery, I think a lot of it would go to make sure that my friends and I could uh, just play every day. Gaming so, and comfort. Right? Yeah, that's right. It'd be, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, we're just going to we're going to buy this old hotel over here and we're going to rehab it and everybody's moving in and uh, we're going to play every day and shoot guns every night or something. Uh, for me, I'm always been a fantasy guy. Fantasy's always been the game that I like to play. Uh, my favorite uh character is Conan and I like to have that sword and sorcery feel. So it doesn't have to be D&D uh, or Pathfinder or anything like that. I, I I enjoy both of those pretty much equally at this point. I really enjoy some of the other fantasy games. I've never played Fantasy Heroes, so you guys are going to have to clue me in on that one. But uh, yeah, Fantasy, D&D, uh, D&D's been traditionally the game that I play the most, Pathfinder, uh, more lately. The next question is, what is your favorite game to GM? Sorry, still heroes. Still hero. That's still, fine. I'm, I love getting tossed a curveball when friends like Dylan create obscene characters that are truly amazing and trying to find an overarching story to really pull together a team. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you spend the entire night just dealing with the aftermath of what the characters have created. And I've always found that to be some of the most fun I have. And some of the most frustration I have in gaming is dealing with superheroes and yeah. supervillains and people that are somewhere in between or non-people silicone liquid metal cowboys that think they're John Wayne. You can do anything with it, and it's fun and terrifying at the same time. So mine is a family of games, Only War, Dark Heresy, Death Watch, Black Crusade. The whole 40K family of uh, role-playing games is one of my favorites to run, and I haven't gotten to run it in a while. That's because it's too dark for it's too dark people for in your group. gaming group, in, in your closer-knit circle of friends. Yeah, we're all black library geeks, so... I mean, I was stuck at Fort Leonard Wood for two and a half months, and Kyle was too, and so... Every other night, I would run Dark Heresy, and then every other night, he would run Hero System. Nice. You know, he was there for B-Knock. I was there for military police investigations and SRT Phase 1. We'd get off duty. We'd go grab dinner. We'd post up in one of our rooms, and we'd just... P90X until we started hating Tony Horton. And that was the thing. We would, (laughs) you know, we'd eat dinner, we'd P90X, and then we'd role play until it was time like, oh, crap, we've both got formation in like five hours. Right. We need to crash. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but, you know, it was worth it. Yeah, it was fun. I've run Only War at Gen Con. Only War is fun. I actually wrote a little macro-heavy spreadsheet so you can make make your regiments in Only War and uh, make it very quick to kick a regiment out. I mean, I've read a ton of the books. Probably one of my favorite games to run just because you, you get that grim, dark future aspect. But with Only War, you know, you've got 
You got your battle buddy and the guy next to you in your squad. With Dark Heresy, you have the hope that you work for an Inquisitor and you can bring some light to the Imperium. With Death Watch, you know, you're you're a space marine and you're there to kill the demon or kill the alien and you can inject some hope in that game and then snatch it away and right. watch everybody's eyes die. Right. And know? then there's Rogue Trader where you're, well, well uh, yeah, space pirate. something. Yeah. Never really done a lot of Rogue Trader. I've got the book adventures. I'd love to try to run them, but you got to have the right crew for that one. It's hard to throw in something like an orc weird boy with a group of humans. It just yeah, the mix yeah. just doesn't work. Yeah, well. you know, just the the whole rogue trader thing. You got to have the right mix of guys. And that's and, always that's always because you always have those one guys who are like I don't want to play a human. I want to play an orc. Well, you can't do that because we're playing dark heresy. You can't do it. Yeah, you know, orcs well, are shot on sight. Right. Okay, you can play an orc. All right, you're dead. Make a new character. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's no worse than albino minotaurs. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Alb- albino minotaurs that only speak Elven in my second, no, first game. Wow. Yeah, we almost killed him. <laughs> he said, hello, welcome, good sirs. We proceeded to smash him into the dirt because we didn't speak Elven. So he, he was like pleading, don't kill me, Van Elven. You couldn't understand what he said. Hello, it is a great, it is great to meet your acquaintance. All you heard was He's the casting ground. a spell. Get yeah. Right. The, the, the GM looked and said, does anyone speak Elven? And everybody looked at their paper and went, no. And we just fought a Minotaur. So naturally we attacked the Minotaur. Right. So yeah, that's somebody who's putting their fluff character ahead of the game. And it's, you know, I'm going to make the character the way I want. I'm going to be useless. I'm going to take everybody's time and be a pain in the ass. <laughs> so, Until you leave him behind. Yeah. Uh, for me, like Greg mentioned earlier, running Shadowrun has always been traditionally like the game that I that I enjoy running. It's uh, cyberpunk enough that you know, near future enough that you know I can use maybe some uh, modern references and things like that. It's not that far removed. So that way, yeah, it, it you don't have to completely world build, but I can also interject completely bizarre NPCs and and watch players reaction that because that's the fun for me is having people react to what I do. And that's one of the reasons why I game master. And when I run Shadowrun, I, I tend to take it over the top with these different uh, NPCs, whether it be a contact or something like that or just somebody you're, you're dealing with. You gave me a fixer named Pink Pantied Granny. Right. Exactly. <laughs> She would always appear. She would always appear in a negligee, and uh, she was an orc, and she was in her like eighties, right? Yeah, she was a geriatric orc, and uh, she would always appear like, uh, you know, VR. Uh, you, you never met her in person. She no, could have no. been. She could have yeah. been like a dude. Yeah, I've right. never heard the story of the pink panty granny. Yeah, yeah. pink panty I've granny been, became a fixer for our entire running group. Oh yep. God! Yep. Yep. Was that havoc? A hazard? Yes, hazard. that was the hazard. Yes, that was a pink oh, panty granny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then she would always, uh, she would always like whenever she would call you, she would always like bend over and show a little bit more cleavage, and you go, "Oh, Granny, don't do that, <laughs> Granny, put something else on." <laughs> yeah, quit dropping your pencil. I don't want to see the goodies. <laughs> right. As of late, the the rules have got, have changed, but the the style in which I, I I I run the game really hasn't changed. I will run Shadowrun again, probably pretty soon. I'm mm-hmm. actually really enjoying Hunter the Vigil right now, Eric, so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm currently running Hunter the Vigil, which is fun. I've never ran a White Wolf game this long before. Yeah, this really? Is long, yeah. So. It's, I, I am I in find... school, and I am missing Hunter the Vigil, and it pisses me off when Kyle and my wife come back from game night every Monday, <laughs> and I get to bitch about class, and they get to tell, tell me how awesome their game was. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Do you run into vampires? I thank you for introducing me to White Wolf games, because... I have had a lot of fun with Vampire the Requiem. 
I've had a lot of fun with White Wolf in general. So, yeah, thanks, guys. No problem. <laughs> Anytime. Let's go ahead and move into Taps. Final thoughts you have about this episode. If you have something that you enjoy doing and you are in a high-stress situation, like being in the military or not, if your normal job is stressful, if your life is stressful, find something that you enjoy doing like this. Gaming is has been the biggest stress reliever and the biggest source of laughter and fun for me for almost 20 years. Don't be afraid by societal labels, stigmas, things like that, because people don't understand. There are always, no matter where you go, people who will understand you for who you are. Because, honestly, they'll be the same way. If there's something you want to hear, something you want to talk to us about, drop us a line. If you're uh, if you're standing watch right now and we got to bring a little joy to your day, that, uh, that makes me smile. I want to just throw a uh, shout-out to a local company that is uh, going here in southern Illinois called Disable Veteran. Um, they are doing service canines for veterans. There's a lot of businesses starting up that do it, and uh, they've started within the last year, and uh, it's just another resource out there. If you can't find somebody in your area, look them up on the on the Internet. If they can't help you out with a service dog, they might be able to point you at somebody that can. That was This Able? This Able Veteran. Okay. T-H-I-S, This Able yep. Gotcha. T-H-I-S-A-B-L-E, veteran. The best thing to do is if you want to get in contact with us, go to our website, and that's uh, trenchmonkeys.com, and we've got mail call. There's a link up there. You can hit it. Thanks to again to uh, Chris uh, Vandergriff and Rick Hammer for the great questions. And if you want your email read, hit us up. If you don't go to our website, you could always go to mailcall at trenchmonkeys.com. You can go directly there. If you don't want to go to our website, which I don't understand why you wouldn't, maybe your work server is blocking it or something, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you want to send us an email, you can go through mailcall at trenchmonkeys.com. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you guys for sitting and talking with me. Oh, one more thing. Hey, Hammer, give Scotty and Xander a hug for me, and uh, thanks for the mail, buddy. Trench Monkeys dismissed. Oh, uh- <laughs> <laughs>